Section twenty one of Claimants to Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Luna. Claimants to Royalty by John H. Ingram. The False Sebastian of Portugal. A.D. 1598 to 1603. No claimant's case is more remarkable than that of Don Sebastian of Portugal, exhibiting, as it does, the tenacity of tradition, for, although more than two hundred years had elapsed since their sovereign's death, hopes of his return were entertained down to the beginning of the present century by his superstitious countrymen, who cherished his memory much as the memory of those semi-mythical monarchs, Arthur of England and Barbarossa of Germany, was cherished by their respective countrymen in the Middle Ages. Don Sebastian, King of Portugal, led by an insane desire to emulate the deeds of his ancestors against the Arabs, availed himself of every opportunity of mixing in the dynastic quarrels of the Moors. In 1578, contrary to the wishes and remonstrances of his allies, relatives and people, he accompanied an expedition to Africa, with the avowed purpose of setting the cross above the crescent, but virtually in hopes of gaining a warrior's renown. His first battle, on the field of Alcacer-Kivir, was as ill-fated as it was ill-advised. The Portuguese army was cut to pieces, and Sebastian, so it was supposed, was amongst the slain. After the fight, a course, recognized by one of the survivors as the king's, was discovered by the victorious Moors, and forwarded by the Emperor of Morocco as a present to his ally, Philip II of Spain. In 1582, this monarch restored it to the Portuguese, by whom it was interred with all due solemnity in the royal mausoleum in the church of Our Lady of Belen. The crown of Portugal, upon the intelligence of Sebastian's death, devolved upon Don Henry, an elderly cardinal, who, enjoying a brief reign of seventeen months, died without leaving any heirs. After a short but decisive struggle, Portugal fell an easy prey to Philip of Spain, but he was not long allowed to enjoy quiet possession of the usurped realm the people had never credited the account of their idolized monarch's death, and rumor after rumor had been circulated to prove his existence. Three claimants to the name and title of the slain Sebastian arose, one after the other, to disturb and perplex the country, and afford the Spanish pretexts for further plunder and murder. Although these three played their part well, and occasioned the government much trouble, there is little doubt as to their having been impostors, but over one, a fourth pretender, still hangs a cloud of impenetrable mystery. This last aspirant appeared at Venice about twenty years after the battle of Alcazar-Kivir, a very plausible account of his escape from which he was enabled to give, further stating that he had subsequently reached Portugal, and revealed his presence there to his great-uncle Henry, who was then reigning, but, as he had then stated that, sick and broken-hearted, as his overthrow by the infidel, he had no present intention of resuming his sceptre, no notice was taken of the notification. As soon as his wounds were healed, 
the soin disant don sebastian stated he and two portuguese nobles who were alleged to have saved themselves in his company started on their travels and travelled over europe africa and asia visiting the colonial possessions of portugal and even taking a personal share with the persians in their war against the turks the king also paid visits to the grand lama of tibet and to prester john in ethiopia encountering no end of marvellous adventures on his journeys during which however his two companions worn out with wounds and fatigues succumbed to death the royal wanderer then retired to a hermitage in the gregorian desert and stayed there until the year fifteen ninety seven when admonished by a dream to resume his crown he returned to europe he landed in Sicily, and at once dispatched letters to several of his most attached nobles in Portugal. Catizzoni, his messenger, was arrested on landing, and never heard of again, but through some unknown channels the tidings of which he was the bearer transpired, and threw the whole country into a profound state of excitement. Had the soi disant monarch had courage to have landed in Portugal at this time, it is pretty generally believed that, whatever may have been the value of his claims to the name of don sebastian the whole people would have acknowledged his rights as one writer says the nation would have acknowledged a negro to be their lost king so that he delivered them from the hated rule of the spaniards wanting the revolution or the means to seek portugal the claimant fell from one state of wretchedness to another until at last it is averred he was discovered by some compatriots in Padua selling pies in the street for a livelihood. Convinced that they had discovered their legitimate sovereign, the Portuguese residents and exiles at once acknowledged his claims, and supplied him with all the necessaries of life. Apprised on this event, the Spanish ambassador immediately requested the Venetian Senate to banish the insolent adventurer from their states the podesta of padua being commanded by the signori to banish from his city within three days a man calling himself falsely sebastian king of portugal and this mandate being communicated to the soin disant monarch he boldly repaired to venice and requested the senate the only free tribunal in europe to investigate his claims upon his arrival he was seized and thrown into a dungeon at the instance of philip's ambassador who suborned witnesses to accuse him of horrible crimes. This, however, caused his pretensions to be speedily noised about all over Europe. A large number of the Portuguese in Italy presented several petitions to the Senate, calling upon it to investigate the prisoner's claim, whilst Sampaio, a Dominican of considerable influence in Padua, wrote and published a full statement of the facts, and dedicated it to the potentates of Europe. In the meantime the Spaniards were not idle. They averred that the claimant was a Calabrese impostor, of bad repute, if not a renegade monk. They alluded to the gross improbabilities in his story, and the little likelihood there was of Sebastian, even if he had escaped from the battle of Alcacerquivir, remaining out of the pale of civilization for twenty years without affording any one an intimation of his existence. They pointed out that the pretender's Portuguese was anything but pure, and that whereas Sebastian's complexion was fair, this man's was dark. Sampaio, on behalf of the prisoner, replied 
but the king's wounded pride at his defeat and youthful feelings of self-dependence had carried him on all his romantic wanderings whilst his fair complexion and native accent had necessarily changed during twenty years rambling in the sultry lands which he had visited whilst this discussion was going on the prisoner was being severely examined by the venetian senate and displayed so all avert such knowledge of their most secret dealings with the true don sebastian as fairly startled them he declared himself ready to undergo the punishment of death if his claims were proved to be unfounded and petitioned that he might be personally examined for any marks which the king of portugal had been known to possess the portuguese residents warmly supporting the later part of the memorial the signori granted their request and sent sampaio with a safe conduct to lisbon to ascertain these distinctive marks and to get a written declaration of them signed by competent people after an absence of two months the dominican returned with the attestation witnessed by persons who had been attached to the late royal household and countersigned by the apostolical notary as a proof of the document's genuineness during sampaio's absence the spanish government had made such forcible representations to the venetian senate that on his return the judge stated it did not beseem the republic to have cognizance of the claims of the pretender to the portuguese crown unless at the request of a member of the family of european potentates nothing daunted the unwearied envoy of the soin de saint sebastian undertook a journey to holland to procure the intervention of the house of nassau his exertions were aided by the warm support of several portuguese nobles and by the influence of henry the fourth of france who through his ambassador at venice intimated that if the dutch intercession failed france would take the claimant under her protection the states of holland however having requested the italian republic to proceed with the inquiry the spanish ambassador withdrew his protest and commissioners were appointed to examine the prisoner for the bodily peculiarities which the king was known to have possessed these peculiarities were alleged to be a right hand longer and larger than the left the upper part of the arms longer than the part between the elbow and the wrist a deep scar above the right eyebrow a tooth missing from the lower jaw and a large excrescence or wart in the instep of the right foot an investigation of the prisoner was then made in the presence of sampaio by four venetian officers of justice and they reported that not only were all these peculiarities found upon him but that his head and face bore the scars of sabre wounds whilst when his jaw was being examined he had asked whether sebastian nero the court barber at lisbon who had extracted the tooth was still alive the next day this evidence was laid before the senate which helped a secret deliberation of four days duration shared in by the spanish ambassador and don cristovão de portugal an apparent advocate of the captive the threats of philip are alleged to have overpowered the intentions of the signori and accordingly when at ten o'clock at night on the fourth day of the conference the claimant was brought before them they without expressing any opinion respecting his identity with don sebastian simply repeated the mandate formally sent to the podesta of padua banishing the person who styled himself king of portugal from the venetian states within the space of three days 
Sampaio and the Portuguese with him declared that a seat was provided for the prisoner, and that whilst he remained covered during the reading of the decree, the senators stood around respectfully. This averted deference, and the evasion of a direct award after so lengthy and solemn an assemblage, confirmed even waverers in the belief that the pretender was indeed the true Sebastian. Whatever may have been the belief or reason of the Senate, they contented themselves with banishing the soin-disant monarch, and refused to deliver him up to the Spanish ambassador. Countenanced by all the enemies of Spain, the claimant now sought refuge in Tuscany, en route, it is said, to Rome, to claim the protection and recognition of his claims by the reigning pontiff, Clement the Eighth. The Grand Duke Ferdinand, desirous of propitiating the powerful foe Philip, is alleged to have made an agreement with him, that if the adventurer entered the Tuscan territories, he should be at once arrested and delivered up to the custody of the Spanish. But this as it may, the pretender was seized as he was attempting to leave the Grand Duke's dominions, put on board a small frigate, taken to Naples, and delivered up to the Conde de Lemus, Philip's viceroy. The unfortunate man, according to popular story, was placed in a dungeon, and starved for three days, in order to compel him to confess his imposture. When the three days had expired, he was visited by the auditor-general, and urged to acknowledge his fraud. "'Do with me as you please, and say what you will. I am King Sebastian.' is reported to have been his response. Subsequently taken before the Viceroy, he is alleged to have referred to certain secret politician transactions which took place at Lisbon, when the Conde de Lemos had been ambassador there. Notwithstanding this revelation, the Conde affirmed his conviction that the prisoner was an impostor, but had him transferred from his dungeon to a pleasant chamber overlooking the Bay of Naples, and allotted him the sum of five crowns daily for his support. For a twelve months the claimant was left in peaceful possession of his cell, when another insurrection breaking out in the Portuguese possessions, a mandate arrived from Madrid, directing the claimant to be returned to his dungeon and again interrogated. He persisted in his protestations, and begged to be sent to Lisbon, where his statements might be strictly investigated. This was refused, and sentence pronounced upon him as a vagabond, impostor, and liar. He was condemned to the galleys for life, after being paraded through the streets of Naples on an ass, whilst his imposture was proclaimed by the public crier. On the 17th April, 1602, this punishment was carried out. Behold the justice and severity of his Catholic Majesty. He commands that this miserable man shall be degraded and condemned for life to the galleys, because he falsely and flagitiously declares himself to be the late Don Sebastian, King of Portugal, when he is but a vile impostor from Calabria, was the proclamation made as the prisoner was taken through the streets of Naples. He was then clothed in the garb of a galley slave, and according to some authorities publicly flogged, all the while calmly and positively reiterating his assertion that he was Sebastian, King of Portugal. According to contemporary chronicles, his head was then shaved, and his hands and feet put in irons. He was then sent to the galleys and compelled to row. He was afterwards carried on board a vessel and taken to St. Luca at the time the largest convict station of Spain. During the voyage, the prisoner's irons were removed and his labors suspended. 
when the galley arrived at St. Lucar, the Duke and Duchess of Medina Sidonia are asserted to have seen the captive and conversed with him, and a curious story is told of the interview. The Duke and his consort had formerly given Don Sebastian a magnificent entertainment when on his ill-fated expedition to Africa, and the Portuguese monarch had then presented a sword to his host and a valuable ring to the Duchess. Upon the claimant's arrival at St. Lucar, the Duke desired to be allowed to try and select him from amongst the other felons, but failed to recognize him. The soin disant king was then introduced to the nobleman and his wife, and recounted many incidents of their interview with Don Sebastian. He asked the Duke if he still possessed the sword which he had presented to him upon that occasion, saying that he could identify it if conducted to the ducal armory. Hearing this, the Duke called for several swords, but upon their production the prisoner exclaimed, My sword is not amongst these. Another quantity of swords, this time including the veritable weapon, were now produced, and, so runs the story, the weapon was instantly recognized and unshaded by the claimant. He then reminded the Duchess of the ring given her by Sebastian as a memento of his visit, and asked if she still retained it. She thereupon sent for her jewel case, and desired him to select it from amongst more than a hundred rings which it contained, and this he did immediately. The Duke and Duchess of Medina Sidonia, it is averred, then departed sadly, and sorrowing at such an evidently unjust attention. But it is somewhat singular, and throws much doubt upon the anecdote, that no record appears to them having ever attempted to obtain an amelioration of the captive's lot, which, from their position and interest at the Spanish court, they could undoubtedly have procured. The unfortunate pretender was now removed to Seville, but Sampaio, having excited an insurrection in Portugal, he was again taken to St. Lucar, and on the 20th April, 1603, was hanged from its highest bastion. The Dominican and several other of the claimant's adherents suffered the same fate shortly afterwards. End of the False Sebastian of Portugal Recording by Sandra Luna